This is the Live Life Happy Podcast with Andrea Seidel, and it's episode number 25. Welcome to the Live Life Happy Podcast with Andrea Seidel. We're all about highlighting self-help, positive psychology, and books on well-being. We share the content and actionable advice so you can make normal life extraordinary. We are a community of lifelong learners, high achievers, and busy people. Get ready for your download so you can live life happy. I'm your host and addicted to reading, Andrea Seidel. Hey there, it's Andrea here. I hope you're doing absolutely fantastic. Welcome to the podcast. If it's your first time here, this is where we highlight books in 15 minutes or less. That's right. I literally try and take what took years and years and mega research and lots of education on the part of these authors, and I'm highlighting it in 15 minutes or less. Oh my gosh. So it is a huge task to do, but I'm a little addicted to reading. So I love reading these books and I like sucking out actionable nuggets to really help us that we can apply them to our lives. Cause I know let's face it, life is busy and it's hard to read all the books that we want to read. So what I do recommend though, if something sparks your interest or you're really curious, or you just want to delve deeper, I do highly support all the time to support these authors who work so hard, um, and purchase the book. And that way you'll be really supporting the author and you'll be able to get some of the information yourself. And I mean, it's so hard to cover everything that they've covered in 15 minutes or less. Okay. So the book that I highlighted this week is all about the myths of happiness, what should make you happy, but doesn't, what shouldn't make you happy, but does is by Sonia Leib. Laum Bermersky, I knew I was going to say her name wrong. She is such a great author and she has done so much research in the field of happiness. And um, she just, if you Google her, I swear to gosh, you will find so many amazing resources and YouTube videos with her speaking. And she's just phenomenal. Lots, she's a forerunner in the research. She's been in this industry, um, the positive psychology industry, for over 25 years. And so this book is very, very interesting. She's She's also the author of The How of Happiness, and uh, she offers um, a kind of like a corrective course on happiness. And sometimes there's surprising truths that we think that's going, what's going to make us happy um, actually doesn't make us happy. And so we typically buy into the myths of happiness. And so this is what this book is all about. It's kind of that myth of I'll be happy when, and you fill in the blank, or I can't be happy when, and then you fill in the blank. So, you know, I mean, sometimes people say, I'm going to be so happy when I lose 10 pounds, or um, I'll be so happy once I finish my degree, or I'll be so happy when I make X amount of dollars. Um, I'm sure you've done it. I mean, we have all done it. But the reality is, is that happiness is right here and right now. And in her book, she really addresses the idea of certain crises and things that happen in our life. They, It's like these crisis points in our lives are actually opportunities for renewal, for growth, and for meaningful change. And so she talked about how oftentimes um, what is challenging us and what we think um, uh, that will make us happy is actually a myth. It actually isn't going to make you happy. And we have this level of adaptation that she talks about that really skews this level of happiness. So Oh my gosh, you're going to just love this book. It's so great. And she has so many tips. So just wait when we dive in. Um, You're going to see, oh my gosh, how many wonderful things we can apply almost right away. So she shows us that the science supports 
the prepared mind and offers a broader perspective. So uh, if we do have a myth that, you know what, when I have a bigger house, I'm going to be happier. um, She dispels that myth and it's actually not true. (laughs) And um, we're going to talk all about that sort of stuff and all about how uh, a lot of people think that money buys happiness. And so, but her, her main message is in her book is that, She can't stress enough that how believing in happiness myths can create consequences. So believing that I'll be happy when uh, creates consequences because it's actually not true. Those are myths. Um, Or I can't be happy because... Um, those are all myths that actually have consequences. So she's talking about dispelling this myth, and then she does actually give us wonderful, tangible things that we can focus on that can actually bring more happiness into our life. So she's all about we must stop waiting for happiness, and we must stop being terrified of potential unhappiness, that unhappiness and life crisis is inevitable, it's going to happen, and that happiness can be found wherever you want it to be found. Um, and it's important and it's these crisis points also that allow for growth opportunities and that we shouldn't be so scared of unhappiness. Okay. So that was just more of her introduction. So the first part of her book, she talked all about connections. So kind of like relationships and uh, parenting and that sort of stuff, being married, being single. And um, so a lot of her book is like, oftentimes we say, I'll be happy when, and whenever you catch yourself saying that sentence, it's probably a myth because, and she's done so much, so many studies and on social psychology and psychology, and she has discovered that a lot of the things are actually myths. So a lot of people say, I'll be happy when I've married, you know, the perfect husband, Mr. Right. When I find Mr. Right, I'll be happy. Um, But she dispels that myth pretty quickly because a lot of times, actually, and you're going to notice through her research, is that we have what's called hedonic adaptation. So we get used to what we have. So Mr. Right actually ends up turning out to be, you know, sometimes not as Mr. Right and not as Mr. Perfect and... (laughs) And it's really interesting. So um, so she does talk a lot about um, whenever you have the first thoughts, whenever your first thoughts are something... Um, something like, I'll be happy when, catch yourself and really think about it because chances are it's going to be a myth. And um, so she's talking about that usually if something starts going wrong in our marriage or in our relationships, uh, that, you know, we start noticing discontentness or if that's a word, be feeling discontent. We start noticing dullness and just yearning for more. And, uh, it's just, you know, you start over time, that relationship doesn't excite you as much. And your first thought is that there's something wrong in the relationship typically, but, um, you know, and you think that you've, you've failed and failed the relationship. So basically the pain of having or not having an intimate relationship can be agonizing for some people and it can be a crisis point in our lives. But what she is suggesting is that the opposite of having an actual relationship or being in a relationship can also be a crisis point. So the myth that you'll be happier if you're with somebody else or the myth that you might have about being with someone else or in a different relationship, um, it, it may be flawed and her research has shown that oftentimes it is. So, you know, the stress of a divorce is huge. And um, that stress of should I stay or should I go 
uh, is complicated. So she's saying that really investigate um, that the the myth of you'll be happier with another person. Um, so she does bring to our attention in this book too how we sometimes start taking our lives for granted, and we sometimes should just slow down and catch when we're in that habituation when it's called hedonic adaptations. We adapt to our environment. So what you know maybe one time that that person that you were that you're with now and you first started dating was super attractive and you know they're all exciting and you're very intimate and there was a lot of passion there and you know what over time yeah it maybe isn't as exciting and there's not as much variety and um you don't feel that same level of connection and that's because we adapt our as humans, we have an adaptation. So we adapt to everything that we have. So her suggestion, thank goodness she has suggestions for this. <laughs> her suggestions are to recognize this effect of adaptation and also the effect of just taking your lives for granted and that um, we need to slow down this habituation and uh, just, you know, when you find yourself bored in your marriage, for example, or um, you're upset because you're single and you're waiting, waiting, waiting for Mr. Right, um, recognize that, um, and there's studies actually that prove that sometimes being single is uh, some people are subjectively more happy being single. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I love this approach that she takes in her book and just acknowledging that we kind of adapt to our life. So her tips to consider are happiness, the happiness myth, um, is like, is our first instinct. So whenever we think that we're not happy or I'll happy, or we use that word, I'll be happy when, really recognize that it might be a happiness myth that you formulated in your head. Also consider the hedonic adaptation and how humans have a remarkable ability to grow habituated to all our life changes. So um, just recognizing that. She also talked about the thrill and victory as um, that it dwindles over time. So for example, if we're really excited that we've met a new person, that it, it will dwindle over time and it does. Um, so, so we adapt to the good stuff and um, this is why she expresses the importance of appreciating and really appreciating what your life has right here and right now in front of you, the people that are in it. And of course she is recognizing too that sometimes that um, if a relationship is ready to be concluded or finish your relationship, um, that you will also be happier maybe with somebody else perhaps or as single. So she's just saying to be very open to just the idea that we do adapt and that perhaps if you were to start dating another person, is this hedonic adaptation going to kick in as well? So she's just encouraging us to investigate things a little bit further and, um, She's also talking about why we adapt to the good stuff and the importance of in the importance of appreciating. Appreciating is so essential in order to slow down this adaptation. She also um, mentioned, and I love this one, is to extract the maximum possible satisfaction out of everything that's good in your life. I love that. So sucking out all that good stuff, the maximum possible satisfaction of the people in your life, of the things that are good, and kind of go back. I always say with my clients is like. Well, 
well, what did you fall in love with in the first place with this person, you know, if they were having a challenge with it? And it's amazing how it brings you back to, oh yeah, you know, it brings you back to maximum possible satisfaction. Okay. Also adding variety and surprise is essential. Um, and it adds novelty and it also, it'll grab our attention. So it's really important to maintain that idea of novelty. She's saying, and surprise in our life and trying different things. Um, she also suggested make the most of good news and share positive experiences with one another in, in relationships, as parents, and uh, this really helps to stay in that positive place and have really nice connections, and it'll make you feel good connecting with others. So it's uh, science has shown that sharing positive experiences with one another and, and being happy for one another uh, increases overall levels of happiness. Um, she also talked about the power of time touch and intimacy as essential for human thriving and studies have confirmed this. So touch is a wonderful way to increase this happiness in all your connections. Um, so this first section of the book is all about connections. She also talked about balancing positive emotions to negative ones. And she was suggesting that the best ratio from science shows that three to one. So have three positive emotions to one negative emotion and trying to maintain that balance. Um, she also talked about, oh, I like this one. Um, pretend that there's a fly on the wall. So this, she t- called it the fly on the wall technique or self distance perspective. And it's just removing yourself. So if you're in the heat of an argument or you're looking in as a fly on the wall to, it's almost like, know that there's actually someone spectating it, you know, from a different perspective and see your relationship for what it really is. So, I mean, is someone looking in thinking, wow, like they, they have it so good or wow, they talk so nice to each other or, oh my gosh, like they're really rude. (laughs) So you see what I mean? It's just shifting the perspective so you can gain an understanding, a different, it's like zooming out the lens. All right. So it's also about if you are single, becoming the best possible single self that you are and just really owning that and enjoying and being happy in that moment that you're in, that you're presented with. Okay. So the next part that she talked about was work and money. (laughs) So it's not surprising that the myth about being happy um, is about finding that ideal job. It's about being successful. It's about being rich and, you know, um, And the greatest unhappiness maybe comes from having too little money or um, crisis points, like having too little money could be a crisis point in your life. So she talked all about how um, oftentimes the debate is, will money buy happiness? And um, the answer is yes, it does. And it says that, um, that money can buy happiness, but studies show that income and happiness are indeed correlated but the relationship isn't super strong. So the reality is, is that um, she was saying in her book, the studies have showed that if you make enough money to get your basic needs met, it will make you happier. But once you're at a threshold, more money isn't going to make you more happy. So, um, however, she did um, talk a lot about how money can make us happier because it can bring us more experiences. And uh, as we get more and more rich, um, it has a less correlation. So it has a weaker effect on our happiness. So it, um, but as a general thing, she did discover that wealthier nations tend to be happier. And, um, 
And so she had some tips and it was, it's interesting because if we know that money um, can contribute to happiness, like how, like I'm curious, like I was curious about like how, what is she recommending like based on studies of what we should be spending our money on and, uh, and also our work, like um, should we try a new job if we're not happy in the work that we're in? And it all comes down to this hedonic adaptation. So we get used to our job and we get used to our level of income. So so the that's a myth that we'll be happier when we're rich or we'll be happier in a different job. Um, it's not necessary, right, that we will be happy in another job or if we have more money. So the more we attain, um, studies have shown, the more we want. So it's amazing. So the question still remains, you know, can money buy happiness? And studies show that yes, indeed, it does to a certain degree when we're getting our basic needs met, but the richer we get, it has a weaker effect. And um, so her tips are to recognize and to consider how easy we adapt to good things and to remind yourself on a regular basis of what your former life was like or what your former job was like or, you know, your former existence with a different amount of income. So she's also suggesting her tip is to be genuinely grateful for the situation that you're in and really uh, appreciate where you're finding yourself with your work and your money um, level of income. So also notice your reference point. Um, so sometimes we we create this fantasy job in our head or fantasy husband. Um, oh, I went back to connections there. <laughs> anyway, fantasy jobs or fantasy job that creates this awesome income. But we she's suggesting that we be more realistic on our reference point and keep it in reality. Uh, she also talked about, um, oh, one of her suggestions that she made is to pretend that it's your last week at work and you're going to fly far away. Like you're not ill or anything, but you're going to fly far away. And this is your last week at work with all the people you're working with, um, with the job that you're in and look at it from that lens. And um, it's amazing how you may appreciate it more and be more grateful for that, that position that you're in. Um, she also talked about just heightening your appreciation for your current job and your current level of income. Um, she also suggested avoiding comparison with others and consider, you know, when you think, oh, I've made it or I'll be happy when I make it. Um, it usually means that you're creating standards or you're setting standards or norms based on comparison. So she's suggesting not to do that and it'll keep us happier. And then also, so... She's also suggesting that we make a career or undertaking, like an undertaking, so a project, a career shift, whatever it is, on our own terms. So not for anyone else, uh, just for ourselves. And when we do it from an intrinsic place, we have a tendency to have more engagement, more concentration, and more persistence, and more happiness. Um, she also is suggesting to be happy with, with less, and um, she is encouraging us to exercise thrift and um, she's not talking about being cheap. She's just talking about buying to meet your needs. And um, what I thought was interesting is thrift. And she pointed out in her book that thrift comes from the word thrive. And so spending less and enjoying more is her major um, tip for um, kind of getting rid of that myth that money is going to buy you happiness. It's, and then she talked about um, spending your money on experiences rather than possessions. 
um, will make you happier. So in general, when we spend our money on experiences like um, going out for dinner with a family that increases connections or going on a trip, right? That's an experience. Um, it, it'll, it'll, it'll pan out to more happiness. Um, she also talked about spending money on small pleasures rather than big ones, or than a few big ones. So small pleasures on a regular basis is what she was suggesting. Um, I like how she put this next tip. Um, she talked about recycling happiness. So from what's already going on in your life to really recycle that happiness and think about all, be thankful for all the things you have. So, you know, if you bought that car that you're so proud of and you love, um, you will have hedonic adaptation to that car. You'll get used to it and won't feel like something new. So her suggestion in that case is to kind of recycle that happiness, ruminate on it, savor it. Remember how good it felt to get into that car for the first time and how exciting it was to drive it off the lot or bring it home or whatever it is. Um, so she's talking about appreciating what you already have. She did do a lot of studies too on the difference between homeownership and renting and or um and relation to responsibility and that renters tend to be happier. Um, and the, some of the reasons were because um, the responsibilities of having your own home. Now, I'm not saying to go sell your home and rent, <laughs> um, but she is suggesting that um, when you travel to rent and to have experiences because we love uh, as humans, we instinctively, instinctively seek variety and novelty. So I thought that was a really interesting um, thing. So instead of buying that house in Florida, rent, <laughs> rent at different places, have some variety and fun. So living with less and shifting our priorities has the clear benefits. Oh my gosh, though, there are so many tips there. And um, so she did, there's a little bit more here. She says how money can make us happy is to spend money on um, meeting your needs. So satisfying your needs and also uh, spend your money on um, satisfying activities. So instead of keeping up with the neighbors, um, spend your money on doing fun activities or activities that um, contribute to your competence. So she's saying, you know, like pay for those art classes or um, so she had really great tips that way. And also, oh, and the other tip was to spend money on others. Studies show that you increase your level of happiness by spending money on others more than you when you spend it on yourself. So the other thing that I thought was amazing is she's suggesting to spend your money on things that will give you time. So, cause time is your most valuable resource. So she was suggesting to spend your money on the things that are going to buy you more time. And what comes to mind with, for me is, oh my gosh, like if I could afford to have somebody do the laundry for me, oh, that would be wonderful. That would buy me so much time. Um, that would be one that I would invest in if I financially was in a place that I could do that it would be so amazing. But what I do uh, have is a lady that comes to my house and she helps me tidy up my house um, every two weeks. And I swear to gosh, that is money well spent. I say it every single time. I come home, my house is tidy. I, I don't want to spend my time cleaning the house. So it's perfect. So I thought that was 
was a really great example. So spend money on, um, oh, this is a great tip too. She said um, to spend money now on something that you have to wait for in the future because that increases that anticipation and it increases your happiness and gives you something to look forward to. So I thought that was a wonderful, wonderful tip as well. Okay, so in part three of her book, she talked about looking back or kind of reflecting on your life and she had some great tips um, because sometimes we respond to life's passage or uh, revelations um, in a good way or a not so great way. So the idea and what she's suggesting is what you see is basically what you see. So what you choose to notice is what it is that you're going to see. So even bad situations, she's saying, such as a diagnosis of an illness or something, um, those things happen to us. They're crisis points. But it turns out, and she's proven through all her research, that we have more control over our realities. The reality that we're in in this moment is the only one that we have. So our experience in this moment is simply what we choose choose to focus on. So her suggestion is to focus on um, just looking at the good things and ruminating on happy times and um, being present in your environment and mindful. She also suggested avoiding rumination of self-excavating deepest regrets or disappointments. Um, I love the way she put that. It's like excavating. It reminds me of one of those big diggers. It's like you're digging up like old wounds. Um, And so she's suggesting to avoid ruminating or going over and over in your brain on, on any regrets that you've had in your life or any disappointments. Uh, she's suggesting to kind of look at those um, and not over ruminate and go over them over and over again. So she's really suggesting to create a really nice life narrative that is accepting and um, makes you feel good. So, um, oh, and she also suggests to prevent regret, to make sure that you take action um, so that you so you, that you don't have regret in the future is to take action and to try new things. Okay, so here are her tips. All right. So she says to choose what you focus your attention on. Spend more time in nature, as she's suggesting to, for mindfulness and just to retreat from the world, um, to be present in the moment and notice what's, what's good now. Ruminate happy events. She also talked about meditation and uh, connecting to the power of your attention. So just paying attention to what you're paying attention to. Um, she also talked about choosing what you focus on and paying attention and being really critical about what you're putting your attention on in your world. So also she talked about focus on big and small moments that like such moments that are indulging and that are fulfilling and that um, offer you gratification. Like you feel really good. All the things that add sunshine to your life. She's basically saying to focus on those. (laughs) Um, She also talked about coping well with um, bad news and her suggestion is um, to take time. Uh, so time and they did do studies on this of when we receive bad news and there's a whole section in our book on this and that it shows studies show that it does take time um, and so just recognizing that time um, also so she's suggesting also to connect with people and relationships and people that support you as that adds um, 
happiness to your life and feeling of support. Um, she also talked about increasing purpose in your life and a sense of meaning, and that'll increase your happiness too and connect to what you see as valuable in your life and focus on it, right? Focus your attention on this. She also talked so that we don't have that regret piece to take one risk per month to ward off regret. Uh, she talked about keeping a diary and to not compare all your lives to other people and to replay all those happy moments. And her tip is to not ignore unhappy ones, but to analyze them. Analyze unhappy ones, take what you need to learn, but focus and replay all those happy moments. Holy cow. So that is her amazing book. So with this new understanding, you can literally ultimately identify the steps you need to take to forge your way through to a fulfilling, happy life. And um, to kind of catch yourself if you're in kind of like a myth of when you think you're going to be happy, because realistically, um, happiness is now. So we create um, this happiness and with what we're focused on and noticing this hedonic adaptation, how we adapt to good things, and then just to replay all those happy times. Thank you so much for listening. Oh my gosh. If you like this episode and it was helpful, please, please, please write a review, share with friends. This is how we can grow the show. I have some exciting news coming too. We have some wonderful surprise author visits and I'm actually going to have the actual author of some books coming on to our show. Oh my gosh. It's just going to be great. I mean, it's one thing for me to highlight them, but wouldn't it be awesome to have the actual author coming on and helping me highlight them? (gasps) Yay. So keep your eyes open, your ears open. It's coming, it's coming. So the best thing is to subscribe because then you'll get it right into your inbox, okay? So thank you so much and have a wonderful day, everybody. If you like this podcast that's like personal training for your mind, you've got to come over to my website at andreasadel.com where I take all these books, I highlight, coach, and summarize the contents in my unconventional book and coaching club. Let's face it, no one is sunshine and butterflies all the time, but we can make happiness a lifestyle. So I want to invite you to sign up at my website for my freebies and giveaways so that you can start each week positively. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to, download and write a review because they really help grow the show.